So I'm sharing a worship today. As you guys know, I love uh, worship. I lead the worship at this church, um, which is such a privilege. And I specifically wanted to, there's a lot of different ways we can worship, um, right? We worship God just every day, everything we do, we get up and we surrender to him and we give our lives afresh and we worship him in so many ways, in our tithing, in our serving, in our doing. I'm sorry, what is making that clicking? Is it me? Okay. And, uh, but I want to speak specifically on corporate worship this morning. There's, a, there's something about us coming corporately as a body on a Sunday morning together, together worshiping, lifting up the name of Jesus, exalting him together as a body. There's a different anointing. There's a greater anointing when we come and we worship Jesus together. And he speaks to us as a body. His presence is stronger. And he refreshes us and encourages us. So what is the meaning of the term worship? Firstly, I went and looked up worship this morning, I mean this week, and uh, Webster's Dictionary said it's to adore, to honor, to revere, to um, idolize someone or something, to show profound reverence or submission to someone. One of the words used to describe worship in the Bible, it means to bow down and to kiss the hand. Of, a, of like a superior or a king. So it's as if we're in the presence of a king and we bow down and we kiss his hand just in um, a show of reverence. And praise is a little different, right? We say praise and worship. Praise is more like you can even give praise to people. We give praise to each other, right? We say, good job, that was good, you did, you did well. So praise is not as deep. Praise is just approval and affirmation. We do praise, but worship is a deep... It's a much deeper, profound reverence, and it's to be reserved only for God. So we worship Jesus. I know we say that a lot, and it's come through all this morning already. I hardly need to say it. But firstly, I want to state our worship is centered and focused around the person of Jesus Christ. We come and we worship Jesus because he's the head of the church. God gave him that position to be the head of the church. So we come to worship Jesus. We're not just singing. We're not worshiping a church. We're not worshiping an organization uh, or just singing random songs. We're coming singing directly to God, directly giving glory and honor and praise directly to Jesus. Our worship is centered around him. I even like songs that are singing right to Jesus instead of songs that just sing about him. I mean, you can sing about him too. But the songs where you actually just sing right directly to Jesus are just amazing. One of the reasons we gather on the Sunday is to worship our King, not just to hear nice songs and see a good show, right? Sometimes you hear people say, I just love to come and hear the, the nice songs, and they sound so pretty, and the voices are pretty, and everyone sings so beautifully. And that's, it's very nice and it's true, but it's not... That's not what worship is, right? It's not a concert. It's not a pre-show to the main event either. So it's not a concert, just listening to nice songs, and it's not a pre-show to the main event, which is the preaching. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, you know, or we all do it sometimes. I'm running late, but that's okay. I'll just miss the worship, right? I'll just miss the worship. I'll be half an hour late. That's okay, because it's like a throwaway. So no, worship is not a pre-show to the main event. And I don't think at this church anyone feels that way, but it does happen. So it's also not coffee time. 
not time to go get coffee and chit-chat to someone. It's actually intentional time where we come, we give all of our attention to Jesus, like we did this morning. Focus on him, sing songs to him, give him glory, give him honor, give him praise, because he's worthy, because it's all about him, because that's why we're here. So let's talk about singing. Because singing, I mean... I know some of us has grown up in the church our whole life and we never even thought about, like, well, we just go and we sing. And others have not grown up in the church and they think, you know, it's kind of strange and awkward to come with a bunch of people and sing songs. Especially if you don't consider yourself a singer, it's, it can be a strange thing. We all come together and we just sing songs, right? Even if we're not singers. So why do we sing? There are so many verses that tell us to sing. This is the slide, if you can see it. I'm going to read some of them. Psalm 33.1, sing for joy to the Lord, O you righteous ones. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Sing praise to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 47, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Psalm 81, sing for joy to God our strength. Psalm 13, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That's just a few of the verses that say sing. So we're called to sing, not just the vocalist. Everyone's called to sing. Lift up our voice, lift up a song to Jesus. Those, again, are just a few. So we sing to Jesus. Ephesians 1.22 says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's Jesus. God gave him that position as head of the church. God gave him the place of we worship him. We worship Jesus. God gave Jesus that place. He, it pleases God that our worship is about Jesus. So why do we worship Jesus? We worship just because of who he is, as Hugh said this morning, just because of who he is, not even for what he's done for us. We also worship because of things he's done for us. But firstly, we just worship God because of who he is, because he's worthy. He's worthy. Let's read Colossians 1.15 about the supremacy of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. That means everything you can see or know about God, everything you can't see and know about God, you can see in Jesus. He's the image of God. The firstborn over all creation. By him and all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he's the head of the body the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have a supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is supreme. He's the image of God. He, crea he created everything. He rules over everything. He's before everything. He's always been. He's always will be. 
He has no beginning and no end. He sustains everything. Everything is reconciled to God only through Jesus. He's the head of the church. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. All authority. Jesus is the name above all names, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We worship Jesus because of who he is. That's amazing, right? He is all those things. That's why we worship Jesus. And we worship because he's holy. Psalm 99. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. In Exodus 40, Moses was setting up the tabernacle for the Ark of the Covenant, the, Ark of the, Covenant, the place where God's presence would, would dwell. And they had all these specific requirements. If you go read, there's so much detail about how everything had to be placed and everything had to be cleaned and who could go in and who could not go in. And the priests who went in had to be washed and then they had to have their clothes cleaned uh, just to make sure. And that's just some of the requirements. For those of you who have read it, you know there's so many specifics God gave them to make it a holy place for the Ark of, God, for the, Ark of the Covenant to be. And then when you get to the end of Exodus 40, it says that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle so much so that Moses could not even enter it. He couldn't even stand. He couldn't enter it. So if we were in the presence of God, when we're in the presence of God and he comes and fills this place with his glory, when we worship, we would not even be able to stand. That's how holy God is. And now Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Now we look to Jesus and I want to read Revelations 5.11. It talks about the vision that John had of the throne room of heaven. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. When we get a glimpse of the holiness of God, we would not be able to stand. We would fall prostrate face down on the floor in worship of our holy God. So we worship because of who he is and because he's holy and because he's great. Psalm 33, we serve a great God. I want to read, I know it's a lot of scriptures, but I should be teaching the Bible, right? Psalm 33, it's about the greatness of our God. Listen to this passage. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, and the purpose of his heart through all generations. Isn't that amazing? God's purposes and his plans stand firm forever. Generations, nations, kings, 
doesn't matter. No one can thwart his plans. That's amazing. God is great. Just that he gathers waters in the sea into jars. I was thinking about that because I like that imagery. I mean, I cannot even fathom that. It's comforting that the purposes of God's heart stand firm through all generations. He's a great God. And we worship in season and out of season. In season and out of season. Meaning, we all have seasons in life that are hard and seasons that are good. We have tough times. We have disappointing times, obstacles. Worship anyway. We worship anyway. We worship in that hard place. That's hard to do sometimes. But we worship in that hard place. I know we have had a lot of disappointments. Hugh and I have had a lot of many over the years. Um, I'll just share a couple. My, the first pregnancy that we had, I had, we had the first pregnancy, we lost the baby halfway through. So it was about 21-week mark where you go into the hospital and you hear the heartbeat and you find out the sex and there was no heartbeat. And that was devastating for us. That was our first baby and disappointing. And I didn't know, I didn't think I would make it through that. I went through, um, you know, you go through like depression after stuff like that. You battle um, just getting yourself out of that place. But ironically enough, that's when I started leading worship at the church that we were a part of before. That's when I started leading worship. And it was as I worshiped, it was as I worshiped that God began to heal me. It was as I worshiped that I saw Jesus was bigger than my pain. And I'll always remember that. I still remember that. It's as we worship that we see God is actually bigger than the things that we face, the pain and the struggles that we have. I also, ironically, had a lot of disappointments in the area of worship. How many know when God wants to take you into something, usually there's a long testing trial period before it? If you don't know that, that is true. <laughs> so I, I had so many disappointments in the area of worship. I was a worship leader at a small little startup church, I loved it. I was like, I think I found my calling. Oh my gosh, this is it. And along, sure enough, the church started growing and along came a guy um, who was better than me, frankly. He was better. And he had led a bigger team. He knew the instruments better. Um, he was able to take the worship team farther than I could take it. And so I got sidelined. I got, you know, replaced in a way. I stayed on the team, but, you know, I had to humble myself and be like, okay, it's not me. It's not my season this time but so disappointed, so disappointed. And then it happened two or three years again. I was like, surely now it's my time. I've been faithful. I've been doing what I need to do. And it happened again. Somebody else was chosen instead of me. And then I had babies, and I had to get off the team for a while because it was just he was leading meetings, and I was trying to wrangle three kids, and we couldn't, we couldn't manage it. In fact, one time when I was on worship, I'll tell a funny story. One time when I was on worship when we had our three babies, and it was just too much for him, not like, because he's amazing with the kids, but he was trying to elder, pastor, and manage the kids while I was up on stage doing worship. And he, <laughs> in a moment of frustration, so my phone started ringing during the worship. It was a quiet time in worship, and God was moving. Bing! My phone started ringing in the front row in my purse, and it was obvious everyone, you know, the phone's ringing. And he was holding a baby and hold it, trying to wrangle another toddler. And he took my purse, and he just shook it like that in front of, right in the front, just frustrated, took my purse, tipped it upside down, and shook the contents of it. And you know, it was like a diaper bag purse. So it was one of those big, all over the front of the church. And I was up there trying to sing and be in the presence of God, and I was like, okay, this is not working. 
the pastor and wife at the time who were our leaders, they were just cracking up, also a little bit in shock. Anyway, so it was just like one of those things. So I had to take a season off. Needless to say, that was necessary. So I was disappointed then. And then, like, God, why are you holding me back? And then came out of that, and I thought, surely now it's my time to lead worship. And somebody else was, there was a, a spot, an opening, because they had multiple teams, and somebody else was chosen again. Oh, I was heartbroken. I mean, I cannot explain it, because this was over a course of 10 years. Um, and so, like, it, it was just devastating for me. But, I know it seems so small, but it was at the time. But God was come to see, find out he was moving us along to lead our own church. So, you know, he has a plan. He has a, a purpose in a way. We just don't see it. We just don't always see it. But there are many disappointments in life. I, I know that's not a nice thing. And some of you know more than I know about disappointments. Some of you have lived longer. There are a lot of disappointments. But God is a way maker. He is a way maker, and he is able. He is able, and I love singing those songs because he does bring us through. But also, there's a process, and there's his timing. And he is God. He is God. And so we worship anyway. And I had to learn that. I had to learn that. You worship anyway, in season, out of season. Things don't always turn out like we thought. And that's okay. Be real about it. I probably wouldn't have been able to share that five years ago because I was still so stuck in my, my wallowing in my disappointment. But now I can say, actually, disappointments, it's a real thing. And we can be real about it. We can just say, yeah, I don't always get what I want. <laughs> sometimes we think the breakthrough is when the situation changes. And sometimes it is. But sometimes the breakthrough is just our ability to worship through it. Because God wants our trust, and he wants our hearts. And that's, the, that's what he's after. He wants our trust, and he wants our hearts. So it can be just our ability to keep our eyes on him instead of allowing disappointment and bitterness to set in, and we can get stuck. But it's because we've taken our eyes off Jesus. When we take our eyes off Jesus, he's the prize. Sometimes we make all these other things the prize, and he's the prize. When we take our eyes off Jesus, it's not good. How do we worship? We come with thanksgiving and praise. We enter in with thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving, I can't talk about this enough, and it's something I always need to hear for myself. Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We come with gratitude. Thanksgiving is so powerful. It is so powerful. When we start shifting our attitude to giving thanks to God for the things we have, it's powerful. It changes everything. It changes our perspective. It's, um, I've heard one preacher talk about it as like an attitude of gratitude. And I always remember that, just the importance. In fact, he gave it to me on a little plaque, attitude of gratitude and count thy blessings. And then he gave it to me when we started the church, actually. And I so needed that because there's always the times you can think of all the lack you can think of what's not happening. You can think of all the ways you want God to move and to do things. And before you know it, you're actually taking everything for granted. You take, it's, you take the people in your life for granted. You take your spouse for granted. You take your friends, the people that God's placed in our, in our lives, our kids. You take the job that he's given you for granted. 
you can take the provision that he has given you for granted, and we can, we can take the opportunities we have for granted. And it's just a subtle thing. And I find myself always needing to come back to this. I feel like this is a big thing for me, just reminding myself to be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for in this nation, so much. I have so much to be thankful for. And when I start giving thanks, suddenly I don't see everything with so much negativity. I start seeing people different. I start appreciating the things in my life differently. So appreciate the things we have. And we come ready to worship. We come hungry. Come hungry and expectant just for God to move. When we come on a Sunday, um, you know, I think just coming and saying, Lord, I want to hear from you this morning. I want everything you have for me this morning. I want to tune into you. Speak to me. Refresh me. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your heart this morning. So when we come like that, God always faithful to come meet us like this morning. He always faithful to come speak and to minister and to refresh. So come expectant. Come expectant. And we come setting aside the things that we have that are on our mind. Just shifting our focus completely to Jesus because he's really deserving of that on a Sunday morning. He's deserving of us saying, you know what? I've got my to-do list. I've got this worry that I've been waking up about in the middle of the night. I've got this stress. I've got this bill to pay. I've got this class, this homework. But we can just set it aside for the morning and just say, Jesus, it's actually, I'm going to give you my full attention this morning. And I'm going to look to you and give you the attention that you deserve. And that's hard. I, have, I always have a million things on my mind. So I always have to tell myself, set those things aside. Actually, it's all about Jesus right now. And I'm going to worship. I'm going to give him my worship. Postures of worship. I don't think I made a slide for this. But in the Bible, there's many things that we can do when we're worshiping that are biblical. Sorry, there's no slide. Nehemiah 9 says, stand up and praise. Psalm 100 says, sing and shout, clap your hands, that's Psalm 47, dance, you can dance before the Lord, that's 2 Samuel 6, lift your hands to Jesus, that is biblical, Psalm 137, bow down before him, Psalm 138, all are biblical ways to worship, and while everyone's worship looks different, and it can look different, there's a lot of different expressions of worship, God touches us in different ways. Some people are more expressive than others. Even standing still with your eyes closed, engaging with God is worship. But I, it does need to look like something, right? It should look like something when we're worshiping. So it can look different, but it, it should look like something's happening. We're communing with God. We're praising him somehow. We're singing. So those are, those are different ways we can worship. And what happens when we worship, lastly? We receive so much when we worship God. Even though we come and we give and we make it all about him and we worship and we give him praise like we did this morning, I feel like we receive so much. He comes, he refreshes us. He brings us peace. He reminds us who he is. He heals us. He breaks chains while we're worshiping. So I just put a couple things down. Our hearts are realigned to his heart and his purposes in worship. How many of us leave on a Sunday after church and we're like, oh, I'm filled up. I feel so peaceful. I'm not going to worry about those things anymore. And I'm refreshed. And then by Sunday morning, 
or Monday morning after maybe just your train ride or an encounter with someone at work or a class that with a tough professor or dealing with the kids, it's just like it's gone, right? It's like, <laughs> and that's gone. I need to go right back to church right now. I need to be in God's presence all the time. So we just need to come and be filled and refreshed by the presence of God regularly. We just need it all the time to get realigned to his love for us. When we spend time in God's presence, we get to be reminded of his love for us, his faithfulness, his goodness, like we proclaimed this morning. Even though we sing that so many times, sometimes it takes till the last time through that you actually start saying, yeah, actually you are good, and you start believing it, right? And then we become overwhelmed by who Jesus is instead of life in worship. He becomes bigger and magnified, and our life stuff just doesn't seem as big anymore. We get a heavenly perspective, and we get caught up with Jesus. I want to be overwhelmed with Jesus more than I'm overwhelmed by my to-dos and by the call, because there always are a lot of things to do. And when we worship, the presence of God comes and refreshes us. Acts 3.19 says, Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And we receive peace and we're strengthened. Psalm 29 says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So we're refreshed, we're strengthened, encouraged. We receive peace from God. All those things happen as we worship. So I just want to remind us this morning um, what's already come through all morning. Just God's heart of worship. We just worship him for who he is. I love how we worship at this church. I think it's, I think, I think we get it. But not really. We can always grow. We can always get so much more. And we can always learn so much more. But I, I, I love how we come and lift up Jesus. And it's all about Jesus.